for this Feast of the Immaculate Conception of Our Lady, the epistle is taken from the book of Proverbs. The Lord possessed me in the beginning of his ways before he made anything from the beginning. I was set up from eternity and of old before the earth was made. The depths were not as yet, and I was already conceived. Neither had the fountains of waters as yet sprung out. The mountains, with their huge bulk, had not as yet been established. Before the hills I was brought forth. He had not yet made the earth, nor the rivers, nor the poles of the world. When he prepared the heavens, I was present. When, with a certain law and compass, he enclosed the depths, when he established the sky above and poised the fountains of waters, when he compassed the sea with its bounds and set a law to the waters that they should not pass their limits, when he balanced the foundations of the earth, I was with him, forming all things, and was delighted every day, playing before him at all times, playing in the world, and my delights were to be with the children of men. Now, therefore, you children, hear me. Blessed are they that keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise, and refuse it not. Blessed is the man that hears me and that watches daily at my gates and waits at the post of my door. He that shall find me shall find life and shall have salvation from the Lord. Please stand for the gospel. The gospel is taken from the first chapter of the gospel of St. Luke. At that time, the angel Gabriel was sent from God into a city of Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel being come into her said, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Please be seated. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. Dear Reverend Father, dear faithful, the story of the Immaculate Conception is the story of a vocation. We know this because of those mysterious words those very mysterious words that we can never completely understand that Our Lady spoke to St. Bernadette on March 25th, 1858. I am the Immaculate Conception, not I was immaculately conceived, but I am the Immaculate Conception. So when Our Lady says that she is the Immaculate Conception, she is somehow identifying that special privilege with her very person. It's something that is unique to her. It's something that sets her apart from every other being that exists in the universe. As a result, this statement of Our Lady means that God had a unique role for her to play and that the Immaculate Conception was the basis for that role. When God sketched out his plan for all of human history, he had to decide who would play the major roles in that plan, who would play those parts that would be, as it were, the foundations for the story that he was to weave out of human history. And the biggest role, the very biggest vocation that he had for any creature, that he anticipated for any creature, was to call a woman to be his own mother. 
And the start of that vocation was the Immaculate Conception. The fact that Our Lady was conceived at the moment of her conception with her parents, Joachim and Anna, at the moment of her conception, God made sure that the stain of original sin was not passed to her newly um, existence, her new existence of soul at that moment. The, the fullest moment of her existence, there was not going to be any stain of sin upon her soul. That moment was the first moment of her existence, but it was also the launching of her vocation. And what I want to do is I want to show how this was true in three respects. How the Immaculate Conception marked Our Lady for her vocation and so her very person in three respects. The first thing is that the Immaculate Conception, of course, was a preparation, was a necessary prerequisite for Our Lady to be the Mother of God. As the Mother of God, she was to receive God himself into her womb, it would be the first time in the history of the world that God would take flesh and actually be inside of his own creation. And thinking about that, thinking about this decision of God that he's going to come into his own creation, where is he going to come? Where is he going to land, as it were? It seems obvious that he has to land, he has to come into his own creation in a very special place. He was not going to come onto this earth in enemy territory, in a place that was turned against him, in a place that was defiled with sin. But the problem was that all of creation, we may say, was defiled with sin. After man himself had introduced disorder, the disorder of sin, into this earth. God did not want to come to enemy territory. He would come into a place that was sinless, territory that he had specially prepared for himself, that womb that was pure, sinless, and completely loyal to God. The womb of Our Lady was God's earthly paradise. It was the earthly paradise for God himself. And the Immaculate Conception was necessary for that to, to be possible, for that womb to be a place that was hospitable to God. The prayer after the Salve Regina at Compline, it says that God prepared Our Lady's soul and her body to be a worthy dwelling place for the Son of God. And the primary way by which God did this was to make Our Lady's conception sinless. When you think about it, it would be utterly ridiculous for our Lord, to come into a place that was defiled with sin. And so when Our Lady was conceived, he made there exist something unique on this earth, something that never had existed before and something that never will exist again, that a human being is conceived in the normal way of human conception without there being any stain of sin, without there being any connection whatsoever to sin without any affiliation with that rebellion that is universal among all human beings since the rebellion of Adam and Eve. And because there was nothing in Our Lady that was against God or had ever been against God, she was worthy to become the receiver of our Lord on this earth. And not just his receiver, but the very one who would give him his flesh. 
he would take his very body from that same flesh that she possessed. And it had to be sinless flesh. How could flesh that was sinful form a sinless God? It's absolutely and utter, utterly impossible. God dwelt in her and God was formed from her in his human nature. It would be a contradiction that something against God formed God. That the human nature that God would take on was formed from a human nature that was against God. It would be a complete and utter contradiction. That is why Our Lady's vocation to be immaculately conceived had to precede her vocation to be the mother of God. And this brings us to the second thing for which the Immaculate Conception prepared Our Lady, and it's because it's related to the first. If Our Lady was going to be unique in that she alone would have no enmity against God ever at any point in her existence, it would also mean that she alone would have no friendship with the devil. Whenever you have enmity against God, you have friendship with the devil. The two go together. So if Our Lady had this intimate friendship with God that was completely perfect, that meant that necessarily she had a total enmity against the devil. So her vocation to be sinless, the moment of her immaculate conception where she was reserved to have uh, no injury from the devil meant that she would be totally against him. It meant that she had a vocation to trample the head of the serpent, to mash down the pride of Satan, to crush the rebellion of Lucifer. This is what God had in mind from the very beginning, from the very first pages of the history of our race when Adam and Eve fell. We know that one creature, the devil, rebelled against God before our history started. And that creature, once our history started, came to the Garden of Eden and tempted our first parents to join him in the rebellion against God. And they did so. And it was at that point that God announced that he would have a third creature. He would make a third creature to be his ally. That God would have a human being who would be his ally against Adam and against the devil. And that would be this woman. And at that point, he did something that he has never, he had never done before, and he has never done since. And that is, he took one of his creatures and he pitted one of his creatures against another one of his creatures. He said, I'm going to place an enmity between one of my creatures and another one of my creatures, between the devil and the woman. And she's going to win because she's going to be completely and utterly on my side. The woman would be the enemy of Lucifer, the creature specially assigned to destroy him and his kingdom, and she would do so only by means of her immaculate conception, her sinlessness, the fact the devil had no territory in her soul. That is why woman is the preferred title of Our Lady in the Gospels. That is why when Our Lord speaks to Our Lady, when Our Lord addresses Our Lady, he calls her woman two times, the marriage feast of Cana, and when he's on the cross, he calls her woman because she is the woman that God announced after the fall. I will put enmity between thee and the woman, 
between your seed and her seed. She shall crush your head. This is the second reason why the Immaculate Conception is a vocation. It was a call for Our Lady to be God's opponent to the devil. The third aspect of Our Lady's vocation that the Immaculate Conception made her ready for was for her to be the mother of a new race, what we could call the race of grace. The first woman, as we know, Eve, she had a vocation to be the mother of all the living, and she failed in her vocation. She was not conceived immaculately, but she was created immaculately. That's why the Immaculate Conception is unique. Eve was created in grace, but she wasn't conceived in grace. She didn't come forth by normal human conception. She was created directly by God. She was created immaculately. She That immaculate creation of Eve was also a vocation. It was a call to pass on life, physical and spiritual, to all her progeny for all time. And she failed. She rebelled against God. She did not correspond to her vocation. She listened to the devil. She went over to the side of Satan, and she doomed her race, our race, to supernatural death and physical death, temporal death and eternal death. And God decided that in order to assist the doomed human race, he would create a new race, not in the sense that it would be a different human race, not in the realm of physical life, but in the realm of of supernatural life. We all belong to the race of Adam. We all derive from Adam. But since the coming of our Lord and our Lady, there is, as it were, two sub-races within the human race. There is the race of spiritual death, and there's the race of spiritual life. There's the race of sin, and the race of salvation. There's the race of the devil, and there's the race of the mother of God. The first Eve gave death to all of our children, and mothers today can only give that same death to their children. They have no power to give supernatural life. And so there had to be a mother who had the ability to give that spiritual life. If any of us were to have any life at all, any eternal life, there had to be some mother who would replace our first mother and could impart that life to us. And this was to be Mary. She would be the woman who would be able to come to souls slated for eternal death and communicate that supernatural life to them that was taken away from them by the rebellion of their first mother. And to communicate that life, she had to possess that life herself. To be a giver of grace, where you're not just a receiver, but a giver of grace, you have to have a certain ownership over grace. You have to possess it in yourself thoroughly, totally, if you want to communicate it to others. So Our Lady had to be conceived in grace. There was never a moment where sin had any possession over her for her to be able to impart grace, to be the mother of all the living. She couldn't ever be dead if she was to be the source of life for all. And so... She had to be immaculately conceived before she could be the new Eve. She could not be the channel of all graces, the channel of all supernatural life, if she, if she had anything at all to do with supernatural death. And so, Our Lady's Immaculate Conception called her to at least 
these three things. For her to be the mother of God, the one who formed the flesh of God. Secondly, that she be the enemy of the devil assigned by God to crush his head. And thirdly, that she be a source of supernatural life for the entire human race. Our Lady was called to these three things through her immaculate conception. Unlike Eve, Our Lady answered her divine call. She dedicated her life to what God had prepared her to do through her vocation. To this day, she has been faithful to that vocation, and she will continue to be faithful to that vocation to the end of time and for all eternity, forever. She will be the Immaculate Conception in one who is completely and utterly given over to God. She will always be the mother of God, the enemy of Satan, and the mother of graces, those three things. And it's through the vocation of Our Lady that the vocation of the priest becomes possible. There cannot be any priest if there is no immaculate conception. She is the mother of the high priest. Our Lord's ordination took place in the womb of Our Lady. His ordination and his conception are one in the same. He was anointed as a priest of the Most High in a basilica, specially prepared for him that womb of the sinless virgin. Our ordination, the ordination of myself, Father McManus, when it takes place, when it took place, it gave us a participation in that priesthood of our Lord that had its ultimate origin in the conception of our Lord in the womb of the Immaculate Virgin. And so it was absolutely necessary that there be Immaculate Conception for me to be a priest or for Father McManus to be a priest. And that's why priests can claim Our Lady more as their mother than the faithful can. This is what Archbishop Lefebvre says. He says, The Blessed Virgin is the mother of priests in an even more special manner than she is of the faithful because the priest participates in the priesthood of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that is why the archbishop wanted his priests to commit themselves to the apostles of Jesus and Mary, which is also the name of the Society of St. Pius X. We're also called the apostles of Jesus and Mary. He wanted us to commit ourselves to the Society of St. Pius X on this feast day of the Immaculate Conception, because our priesthood gives us a special bond to the mother of God. Father Emanus has already committed himself perpetually to the priesthood. He is a priest forever, but he has not yet committed himself perpetually to his priestly family, and that is what he is going to do today in a few moments, and it's so fitting that he do it on this feast day, the feast of the Immaculate Conception, because what we priests are meant to accomplish in our vocation is very similar to the things that Our Lady was called to accomplish in her vocation, in her Immaculate Conception. Those same three things. Our Lady was called to bring our Lord into this world in a sinless, virginal state. She was meant to be in a sinless, virginal state in order to worthily bring our Lord into this world. Father McManus is also called by God to bring our Lord down on this earth. And he is meant to be virginal and as sinless as possible to accomplish this role worthily. 
Our Lady was called by God to be the main enemy of the devil, to crush him by her perfect fidelity to God. And Father McManus is called to be on the front lines of the battle against the devil, defeating him by a pure life, by exposing his tricks and deceptions in his preaching, and by working against his empire on this earth. And Our Lady, thirdly, as I mentioned, was called by God to be the mother of the race of grace, the channel by which all graces would flow to souls, the one who would distribute life to all the members of those uh, of that race which belongs to those who are to be saved. And likewise, Father McManus, he has a sacramental power in his hands and in his voice, the power to communicate supernatural life to souls through his ministry. Father will spend his priesthood trying to imitate Our Lady, trying to imitate as closely as possible the vocation of the Immaculate Conception. He will handle God at the altar. He will do daily battle against the world, the flesh, and the devil, and he will spread the life of God to all the souls that come to him. He has committed himself to this vocation, and today he commits himself to fulfilling that vocation in the priestly family of the Society of St. Pius X. He will not just be a priest forever, but he will be a priest of the society forever, a son of Archbishop Lefebvre forever. By doing so, he will be even more a child of Our Lady than before. Our Lady is the expert in everything that concerns perpetuity, anything that we want to do Finally, definitively, permanently, we must go to Our Lady. She is a perpetual virgin. She is perpetually sinless. She is perpetually faithful to God. And there's absolutely no way that any priest can be faithful throughout his life to his priestly vows, to his priestly family, without having this very close relationship to Our Lady And dear Father, if I have any recommendation for you on this day of your perpetual engagement, it is that you take her evermore to be your mother. You must live, strive to live in an ever greater dependence on Our Lady than you have ever lived before. You have to confide all of your worries and cares to her. This is what it means to be dependent upon a mother, to go to her with all our worries and cares, You have to continually pray to her as a little child prays to his mother, knowing that the mother can do so much more than the child can because the child is weak and helpless. Your priesthood will not be nearly as fruitful as it should be unless you live this dependence upon Our Lady. Somehow, our vocation and the vocation of Our Lady are intimately tied together. And I cannot close without saying what a joy this engagement of Father McManus, this perpetual engagement, should give to us all to see a young man pledging his life in this way, pledging his life to be this close associate with our Lord and Our Lady in this beautiful supernatural work to give life to the human race, to destroy the reign of the devil. We have to pray 
for many holy priests, that this work the Father has pledged himself to may continue and spread. The reign of the Immaculate Heart, the reign of the Immaculate Conception, will only come when there are many holy priests. Lord, grant us these many holy priests. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.